Welcome to the Strategic Living Podcast, a program dedicated to helping you achieve personal healing, discover your strategic purpose, and lead with maximum impact. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the strategic influencer in you. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here is your next level mentor and coach and the host of the Strategic Living Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. This is episode number 332, and I am incredibly honored to have you with us today. Our goal here is to connect with your heart, captivate your mind, and help you see the incredible possibilities that are right now in front of you. Today, we're talking about four practices that change the world and why we must get back to them. Well, last week, we discussed the lost art of, quote-unquote, doing life together. Specifically, I, I shared with you why the absence of that incredible component of relationship has fundamentally shifted our culture from being relationally connected to being a culture of isolation and pseudo-relationships, really. I'm really passionate about this. As more and more, I find myself longing for the days when relationships were real, when connections were truly meaningful, when having the right people in your life and and spending time with those people actually added value and meant something to your own success. It seems to me that we've become a culture of self-absorption. Definitely a culture of rampant narcissism. If you ask me, there's an ever-increasing aloneness that is prevalent in our society. So many people that I know hide behind this veil of busyness. So many people I know talk about, well, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on my purpose. I'm doing my mission. I'm, I'm totally immersed now in, in doing the thing that I've got to be doing. And, and really behind the veil of that, that idea, these precious individuals fail to realize that they're becoming, or maybe they've already become, detached, reclusive, sometimes even aloof. In the very beginning, the great creator and designer recognized that, and I quote, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for one person to be without the company, the companionship, the connectedness to someone else. If you look at creation, everything in the world It reflects this necessity of ecosystems within which parts, certain parts of that ecosystem play their specific role, and and each one of them is absolutely dependent on the other parts in order that they may survive, that they may thrive. Well, today I want to continue our thought concerning relationships and connectedness. Specifically, I want to point out to you four practices that ultimately turned the world upside down. They transformed generations. I believe we're at a crossroads today. 
our world is in a lot of trouble. And this concept of relationships and connectedness is at the epicenter of both our problems and also this concept of relationships and connectedness holds the keys to our next great awakening. This is going to be an important presentation. I really hope you'll stick around and take this to heart. Well, all of you know, and I, I'm very open about this, that I have a very strong biblical worldview. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Uh, I don't wear that as a badge. I just make people aware that this is kind of my reference point. And it's now been more than 2,018 years historically since Christ, the man, walked the planet. And yet his teachings, the principles that he shared still govern and impact so much of our world's culture. It's really quite remarkable when you think about it. Very few ideas remain relevant for more than, well, certainly more than a generation because innovation and technology and ideas are advancing at such a rapid pace. It's really hard for one thing that's relevant and present today to stick around for very long. When you think about it, the Bible and its principles still influence people, their thought processes, their moral compass, their values. Nations are still shaped around principles that exist and are contained within the Bible. And this is true now thousands of years after the genesis of this movement. Now, there are many reasons why I believe this to be true. There's one thing particular I believe has played a major part in the Bible's or this movement's continued influence on the planet. And it's very simple. It is relationships. It's connectedness to other people. It's how it was all designed to fit together. How I am not literally complete without you. I, you are not complete without me. There is, a, there is a matrix that causes each to rely on the other on some level. So how do we, in looking at the success of this movement, how do we reverse engineer that success? How do we reverse engineer the power of the, the movement that we're talking about here that's influenced the world for generations? How do we, what are the key components that factored into the longevity of such a movement? What practices can we identify as being responsible for transforming nations and cultures and shaping societies for so many years? Now, I want to be clear. My objective here today is not to conduct a Bible lesson. But it is going to be a reference point for us. I believe it's very important that we look at where this all really began. So let's talk about the four practices. I propose that the four things I'm about to share with you can change your life individually. I believe that as people groups, if we were to begin to practice these again and live these out again, I believe they can change the world 
fundamentally change nations. And I certainly believe that if we can implement these values and these practices into our day-to-day life, they will make us more effective at everything we set out to do. I also believe that if we were to begin again practicing these things, many of the ills of our society, many of the challenges we face around the world, many of the, the, the pangs that we feel going on politically, socially, economically, in places all over the world would vanish as a result of the power that comes in the context of intentional and meaningful relationships. I want to reference one verse of Scripture just for the purpose of of setting the context for these four practices because as we talk about the Christian movement or the biblical believer movement that has hung around now for thousands of years and is still relevant, some would argue that. I believe it's very relevant. It still shapes cultures and societies. I want to go back to, and I draw these practices, by the way, from this, this verse I'm about to share with you. And I'm going to read it from the voice translation. It says, this is Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. It says, the community or the people continually committed themselves. They were committed to these four practices. Learning, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. Again, the four practices are learning, fellowship, or doing life together dining or breaking bread with other people, and then communion with God, whether that's in the form of prayer or worship or meditation or whatever it is, that, that however that fits with you. And by the way, that communion with God can be in the context of just me and him or it can be, in the, it can be with a group of people. But those four things, and we're going to talk about each of them briefly, those four things absolutely turned the world upside down. The power and the results and the fruit that practicing those four things brought about changed the world. Let's talk about them just for a moment. Learning. Well, you've heard me talk about this for years on this program and around the the things that we do here. Uh, Learning is paramount and learning never stops. For those that may think that they get a degree and they're done, that's crazy. Uh, One of my governing values is I'm a lifetime learner. Every day, at 51 years old, every day I learn something. I I intentionally set about to see to it that before the day's end, I have grown in my capacity and my knowledge and my understanding of something that will help me be more of what it is that I'm called to be. Learning. Now, I know those of you that are Bible scholars are going to be arguing now that that was the Bible actually says that they were uh, learning what the apostles were teaching. That's specifically related to revelation about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about grace, about all these things. And yes, that is true. The principle, however, is very clear. They were committed to personal growth, to personal development, and to learning. It is absolutely a cornerstone for success to be a learner. Let's talk about the second practice. We talked a little bit about this last week. It's gathering together with groups of people 
with the objective of fellowship or doing life together. Now, now listen, I'm not talking about like, you know, hanging out, uh, you know, and, and at like receptions. Okay. I'm talking about, this is a gathering of people probably in, in, in matter of fact, the context of the new Testament church was it was done in people's living rooms or in their homes. We would call them living rooms. It was done in homes. It was done in uh, the within the sanctity of someone's personal dwelling. They would invite groups of people into their home, sometimes 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 people, and there they wouldn't just have a Bible study. I'm not talking about Bibles. I'm talking about just doing life together, knowing what's happening in each other's lives. If someone's grieving or hurting, you're hurting and grieving with them. If someone is... Has, has had a big win that week. You're celebrating with them. If someone's facing a challenge together as one, you are helping them to process through that and think through that and find solutions and answers. It's, it's both the mountaintop and it's the valley. It's the, it's the high experiences and it's the tragic times when people need a friend. It is open heart open book, open life, no walls. It's eye to eye. It's hand to hand. It's face to face. It's heart to heart. This community of people we're talking about, and what I believe we need to get back to is those kinds of relationships. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here for a minute, but this is maybe a soapbox of mine, and you've probably heard me mention this before, but uh, I, I am deeply troubled at the 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 pseudo-relationships that we have formed and embraced as being real. Uh, while I, I understand and I accept and I embrace to some level the, the value of social media outlets, these are places online like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Google and Instagram and all these other places where, where we share information about things with one another. But I am going to propose to you, and I think you, if you're honest and have integrity, you'd have to, to agree to some level that those are not real relationships. There's no face-to-face. There's no eye-to-eye. There's no voice-to-voice. There's no tingling of the senses. There's no, there's no heart-level exchange there. It's just surface-level, static-level. In fact, you can present whatever image you want to on those outlets, whether it's really you or not. Is, remains to be seen. You know, uh, I, I come from a church background, right? And so we have this uh, cute little thing we do in churches. How you doing, my friend? And the response is usually something like, well, I'm blessed and highly flavored, you know, or whatever the case may be. And we, we, we project an image of how things are in our life that's not necessarily true. We hide behind the photographs, the images, the the Photoshop and the this and the that. We don't want people to see our wrinkles, our blemishes, our messed up hair, our no makeup days. We don't want to see, we don't people to see our life when we're at our lowest and when we're struggling. So we project an image that is not true. That, my friends, does not qualify under the auspices of this second practice. True fellowship, really doing life together, is where the walls come down and you choose to trust other individuals to love you in spite of your weaknesses, love you in spite of your failures, to get down and dirty with you and make sure that there's a, a, a heart-level relationship there, a, a safety, a trust. That's doing life together. And that's what these folks 
historically practiced. And it was, to me, a, a big time contributing factor to the success and the power and the strength of that community of people and what they accomplished to change their world. So number one is learning and personal growth. Number two is fellowship, being together, doing life together, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, hand-to-hand, heart-to-heart. The third practice was what the Bible referred to as breaking bread together. Now, let me explain to you what that means in, in English, in common day terms. It simply means they dined together. Now, let me put this in context for you. In the Hebrew culture, there was nothing more sacred than the family table. In the home, that is. The, the time that a family spent dining at their table was, is considered a sacred and a holy thing. And so when we just glance through this area here and talk about you know, having somebody over to eat a meal with you, uh, I, I want us to put this in the right context because, again, this is a, a different layer of number two, which was this fellowship and doing life together. This is maybe a more deeply intimate place. It's where we invite people into our home. Maybe you say, you call a friend and say, hey, you and your wife and your kids, come over tonight. We'd like to, we'd like to break bread together with you. We'd like to dine with you. And it's more than just having a meal together and talking about the week. It's, it's a very sacred thing. It's a very intimate thing. It is a, another layer of that. Now, we tend to do that uh, on the fly. We are a fast food, fast service, instant gratification, uh, control freak kind of, of society today. And by control freak, I'm talking about we, most of us would rather go to a restaurant and meet somebody at a coffee shop or something like that because we can actually get up from the table and walk away. You see, when you have somebody in your home, you can't get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could, but that would be really rude as the host. So we, we sort of put control mechanisms in place in order to ensure that we don't have to hang out with people longer than we really want to. But yet when you're doing real relationship, when you're doing real life, when you're really truly wanting to build and grow and, 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 and uh, invest in relationship, you're not in a hurry to leave. You don't meet somebody at Chick-fil-A and man, God knows I love me some Chick-fil-A. And, and then, oh, man, I got to go. I got to go. You know, I got to go water the plants or I got to go feed the dog. It's not that. There is something about breaking bread together at the family table with other people outside your family that constitutes intimacy. It constitutes deep relationship. And it, it only strengthens the power of what it is you have with these individuals. Now, here's the, here's the key thing. All relationship is an exchange. It's not just you giving out to them, but it's also them adding value to you. Real relationship is a fair exchange. And there are seasons when you're the only one giving because they're going through trouble. There are seasons when you're maybe at a low point and, and the other part of the relationship is really impacting you and adding value to your life and holding your arms up. But this dining, this breaking bread together, this sharing a meal together if you understand the Hebrew context was a deeply intimate, a deeply sacred part of the relationship aspect 
that made this group of people so powerful. Learning, fellowship, or doing life together, and then dining and breaking bread together with other people. These three are such power components. And I believe with all of my heart, if we can begin to get back to real relationships around these types of principles, we can change the world that we live in. We can fundamentally begin to shift the tide back toward a culture of people that, that live in honor, live in respect, live in dignity, and share one another's burdens. It's a very powerful thing. The fourth practice, and it's not last in some sort of chronological significance, uh, it is communion with God. Now, in Scripture, they refer to it as praying, but praying there was not necessarily just rites or or liturgy, or some type of quoting of prayers, and it did involve some of that. But in a broader context, praying here is simply the the act of communing with God, being with the Creator. And I know for some of you that may mean something totally different, and that's okay. But just understand this, there is, there is something larger than you that it would really benefit you to connect with. And for me, that's God. That's Jesus Christ. That's my. That's the Holy Spirit, and, and that's just how I roll, okay? And so I spend time talking with him. And by the way, can, can, we, can we please just consider the idea that maybe prayer is not, oh, God, Father, we love you, all that stuff. It's just talking to a friend. It's just hanging out with the one who has a vested interest in your success, in your happiness. As a loving father... He wants to see you, his son, his daughter, excited about life, functioning at your maximum potential, being the person he saw you being before you ever arrived here. And there's no greater way to accentuate and to accelerate that process than to hang out with a designer. And that comes in the form of prayer, conversation, sometimes meditation, just listening and and thinking. And sometimes it f- comes in the form of what we refer to in the Christian faith as worship. And, and sometimes worship involves music, and sometimes it doesn't, by the way. All right? Let me just mention to you this communion with God peace can be something that's very individual, where it's just you and him. At the time of this recording, just last night, we had about 20 or 30 people that met up at a little place that we like to hang out. We had the building to ourselves. We threw on some videos from YouTube, and I just created a playlist, and, and there was no agenda. There was nobody emceeing the meeting. It wasn't a church service. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't you know, there was no talking in between. the song. It was just, you know what, we put on some music. We just hung out together, and we just enjoyed the presence of our creator, our designer, our God together. It's powerful. So, this communion with God thing can happen individually or it can happen in the context of a group or corporately. Let's go back over these again. The four practices that did change the world and will change it again if we can begin to navigate back to these practices are learning, personal growth, personal development, constantly growing in your faith, in your understanding, in your knowledge, in your skills, in your capacities. Learning is number one. Number two, fellowship, doing life together. Listen to me, not social media. 
And I, I, I place high value on things like bowling nights and movie nights with friends. That's great relationship building things, but this fellowship is a little different deal. This is doing life with people. This is really heart-to-heart, hand-to-hand, eye-to-eye type relationship. Dining or breaking bread together at the table, at the in your home. Now, I'm not saying you can't have that at a restaurant. We have done it many times and still do it frequently, all right? But there is something powerful, intimate, a lot quieter, a lot less disruption and interruption when you can sit in the sanctity of your own home with people that you love and care for and dine and break bread together with those people. And then last, the fourth practice is communion with God. Whether that's you personally tapping into uh, that expression through prayer, through conversation, through meditation, through silence, or if it's you singing or worshiping or listening to music or whatever, whatever that looks like for you, whether you do it individually or with a group of people, that is a powerful practice that will fundamentally change your life. Now, let me wrap this up by saying this. It was said about this community of people in the book of Acts, and these that turned the world upside down. Meaning, those four practices created such synergy and such power and such uh, impetus that over in one generation, in one generation, they fundamentally transformed the world around them in every sector of society. My company is called Strategic Influencers. The podcast is Strategic Living. Our mission is to raise up and to empower and to train and to teach high-level, high-impact influencers that connect with their calling and their purpose and fundamentally change the world around them. I believe if we look back in history and we identify four practices that obviously worked for that generation, and if we can see that over the last 20, 30 years, we have gotten away from the idea of personal growth. We've gotten away from really doing life with people. We've gotten away from breaking bread and making the the kitchen table or the dining table the epicenter of what happens in the home. We've certainly gotten away from communing with our Creator, with our God. If we can get back to those fundamental practices and principles, I believe it will be said about us someday and these that turned the world upside down. If you're ready to take your life and leadership to another level and are committed to doing whatever necessary to become the influencer God has created you to be, then you are ready for this week's Influencers Challenge. So here are my questions for you today. Do you have a personal growth plan? This all goes back to the four practices. Do you have a personal growth plan? Are you intentional? Are you planning? Are you looking at what you can do to grow? Are you constantly learning and growing your knowledge, your understanding, your abilities, your capacities? Do you have relationships in your life that you can do real life with? Do you, let's ask it like this. Do you do real life with real people? Or do you hide behind these social media profiles and pages we talked about? Do you share your heart and your life with others? Or do you make sure you keep those walls up? 
How long has it been since you opened your home and invited someone to sit at your table over a, a meal? Say, Brian, I don't, I don't like to cook. Okay, go buy some food and bring it in. But do the deal. Do you do the restaurant thing because it's easier? Or do you do the restaurant thing because it gives you an out, an exit strategy for that meeting? <laughs> do you have a real relationship with God? That's not to condemn you. I'm just asking a question. Do you feel connected to the one who gave everything for you? Do you talk with him just like he's your best friend? Have you ever expressed your love, your affection in the form of words or music or song or prayer or meditation? These are all things that I ask you to consider. The four practices, learning, doing life together, fellowship, dining and breaking bread with others, communion with God. These four practices transformed the world more than 2,000 years ago. There's no question in my mind that if we can get back to these, our world can be transformed and renewed once again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Strategic Living Podcast. We trust this program has been a valuable resource and has challenged you to take your life and leadership to the next level. We invite you to join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com. As always, if this podcast and our other resources have benefited you, be sure to share them and pass it on. Until next time, may God bless you immensely. And remember, you are created for greatness.